And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome. I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today, our guest mentor is Billy F. Rowe Jr. Billy was inspired by an experience with a young boy named Derek. The experience was so transformative that three days later, Billy decided to share his thoughts in a short eight-minute video on social media. To his surprise, the video, which was a call to action for fathers in his community, was well-received. And that sent him on a trajectory that brought him to us today. Today, he is leveraging over 25 years of experience in retail, recruiting, sales, management, and mentoring thousands with his insights, and a method he has developed to help individuals discover life solutions that work for them. He authored Amazon's best-selling Fire Your Job, Hire Your Passion, in which he shares his hard-earned wisdom. Billy, welcome to The Mentors, and let's get started real quick. Tell us the story about... Derek. Oh, Derek, uh, a special uh, young man that I met, um, I believe, in 2013 or 14 um, at the State Fair in California. Um, My wife and our son and and I were at the State Fair, and we were actually in the process of getting ready to leave. And uh, she had taken our son to the time, or taken our son to the restroom, and I'm standing outside holding all the baggage and the stroller and everything. And um, I, uh, all of a sudden in the crowd of people, this bottle goes kind of flying across the, the, the crowd and across the ground. And I hear a mother tell their child, pick it up, like stern voice, pick it up. And um, I look over and see the child and the child did not, not look to be making any efforts to pick up the bottle. Um, so I go over and I pick up the bottle and, and give the bottle back to the mother and kind of asked the young man i was like you know what's going on what 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 seems to be the problem why are you throwing this bottom a bottle across a crowd of people and you know he points to his mother as if she's the problem and i was like oh the person who brought you here the person who paid for everything that's who the problem is okay i was like well you know you realize that i have a son that if you would have hit him with this bottle this is the same person that would be trying to protect you from me because you hit my son with a bottle. Um, and so we had this conversation and I kind of talked to him about, you know, where I was once in his space as a child who had multiple temper, temper tantrums in school, out of school, it didn't really matter. Um, and I kind of educated him like, you know, these are the things that we think we're going to get from these temper tantrums and they never seem to be what we receive when we throw them. And so we just kind of had this conversation and I let them know like, hey, you know, we wanted to give tickets to somebody before we left for rides, but we can't give them to you because of the behavior that you're you're uh, displaying. And so we kind of just had this dynamic conversation and uh, the mother allowed me to have this like paternal space with her son. And then um, when right before I got ready to leave, we just kind of wrapped up. But then I got called into the uh, state fair office because they were I thought I was going to get in trouble. But uh, they were just like, hey, um, did you know that kid? And I was like, no, I didn't. But I grew up in a time where all parents were parents to all children. Like we, it was our responsibility as a village to look out for children. So um, that was really transformative to share that experience um, because it resonated with me for like days and weeks after, like, we really need more parents in the community, um, more community for me as a father, more community fathers in the community to help steer kids down the right path and and help them in making some of the choices that will be difficult later on in the future. And all that led you to helping adults, not children. (laughs) Right. Well, they're they're almost one of the same sometimes. (laughs) So I think your background, uh, it's pretty important in terms of what what you've accomplished and what you're doing today. Uh, 
I know you're a father of four now. You live in Colorado. You grew up in California, I believe. Yes. Right? I live in Utah, but I grew, I grew up in California. You're in Utah. Excuse me. Uh, and you were, tell us a little bit. I mean, at 23, you were a single parent, and I was a single parent, not at 23. I was much older. But you had a lot of stuff going on and uh, with regards to your finances. Tell us a little bit about your story. Ah, uh, so... If we start from when I was in a when I was a single parent, um, that story was somewhat self-inflicted and uh, circumstantial. Um, as far as the choices that I was making at that point in my life, some of them were good, but some of them could have been better. Um, and in in essence, that led to me being a single father. Just the choices that I was making. Um, I had this child. I mean, I was still in many ways a child myself, but I had this child that uh, was counting on me. And I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just knew I had to do it, whatever it was. Um, and so part of the way I got, or partly how I got through that experience was by just acting as if I was my son's big brother, because I'm the youngest of four. And I knew what an older sibling's role was in the life of a younger sibling. I did not know uh, to the extent the role of a father and the uh, father to a son. I didn't really have very much of that experience in the nurturing side. I had a lot of discipline, but not a lot of nurture. Um, and so I took on the role of being my son's big brother until I could figure out the whole fatherhood thing. Um, and in that, uh, it prompted a rapid growth and maturity um, in the types of decisions that I was making. I mean, financial decisions being where I was living from negative paycheck to paycheck, where I was un literally behind on almost every bill and my credit score wasn't very good. Um, my savings for an emergency wasn't really established. Going from that space to really learning how to hone in on the skills that I would need in order to not only drive success both professionally, but also as a father trying to be successful with my son. So that's what kind of prompted the areas of growth in my life. And it was very, as I look back now, it was very subtle in the sense of um, the, the progression of growth. But as I am to where I am now, my son, my oldest son uh, is 20 years old, uh, where I am now, 20 years later, there's been a mountain of progress made in this particular space for me as a, as a father and as a man. And was there any particular event or something that happened that was a major pivot point in all of this? Yeah, I think it was more so when we moved in with my sister. So when I became a single father, not really knowing if you were going to have a space for where you and your child were going to lay their head at night, um, that really is an alarm bell or a fire alarm that says, hey, you got to get some things together to make sure that you have things for not only yourself, but for your child to support and provide for him. That was really what changed it. All right, we're going to come back in a few minutes. We're going to be back with Billy Rowe, the founder of First Row, and a career professional who's learned how to conquer the impossible by creating a life focused on following his passion. The Mentors is now in its sixth year. Check out past shows by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more.
Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Loy, and I'm with career mentor for thousands and author of Fire Your Job and Hire Your Passion, Billy F. Rowe Jr. Remember, you can also listen to the show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, Google, and more on any device, anytime. Subscribe at TheMentorsRadio.com. Now, so you've made this pivot, and um, you've had a lot of different jobs. Tell us a little bit about all the switching in the jobs, and 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 what did you gain from that, from an ins from your insights? Yeah, there are a lot of jobs. I have this conversation often with my wife about the twenty jobs I had at one point. Um, but I, I had a lot of jobs. I think mainly my first job being Blockbuster Video. Um, I think I had so many jobs because I didn't have a clear direction on what I wanted to do. I knew that I liked interacting with people. Um, I knew that um, I liked interacting within teams, um, but I didn't really know what that would look like as a profession for me. So I kind of went from job to job, from Blockbuster to working in the grocery store, to working in a bank, um, to working in retail, to working in call centers. Um, and what I started to find was that though I enjoyed interacting with people, I also needed to make more income than those jobs were providing. Um, and so when I finally got serious about having a strong work ethic, um, I went into working in a, into a call center environment and then I started promoting. And that was where that was the first time for me um, where. I was in an environment and the things that I normally would see other people do in the environment were things that I were that I was actually doing in the environment. And so that created this hunger within me to have a, an excellence about my work ethic that truly led to promote being promoted and having what I would consider being promotability uh, in in the workplace. Um, and then also taking that from the professional workplace, I actually also ended up moving that work ethic and I would say my critical thinking skills um, into the space of coaching and inspirational speaking. So that is when that transition began to happen for me outside of that experience that I had with Gary. And you, you talk about the job should not be the goal. No, I think this probably comes to your main topic, and that's passion. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, you you were trying to get more money, and you kind of made the job the goal, but not you don't feel feel that way today. So, what uh, what was that all about? I, I think that comes to the aspect of really understanding why you do what you do and why you want to do it. So I guess the best way to put this in delight is I was having a conversation with someone uh, because I'm also an analyst by trade, professional trade. Um, I was having a conversation with someone about how I wanted to become a pediatrician when I was a kid. And then I decided not to become a pediatrician and how I'm an analyst and an author now. And um, they were like, wow, that's really far off from being a pediatrician. And I was like, not really, it's not. I mean, though it's not medical, uh, the purpose for me is I'm a compassionate individual and wanting to help people with that compassion, wanting to help guide people, wanting to help counsel people, uh, wanting to help walk people through challenging situations. That's what was 
inherently within me. That is my passion that's inherently in me. And I wanted that to thrive and I wanted to nurture that. So you're right. The job was never the goal. I just didn't have that understanding initially that why do I want to work in an environment where I work with people, where I work in teams? It's because that gives me the the, the opportunity to experience my passion through compassionate, compassionate activity. Um, and with that, honestly, uh, with that compensation typically will follow that as you're operating in a more authentic space for your own identity. Um, what I did find in the job market was once I did start interacting authentically in the job market, all the ceilings that I thought were there that were impeding my process or my progress seemed to just disappear. And all of a sudden the sky was the limit as to where I could go and what I could do. And so, yes, the job is is not the overall goal. It's not the overall focus, but understanding the passion behind why you do what you do truly is the focus. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. Today I'm with Billy F. Rowe Jr., author of Best Selling Fire Your Job, Hire Your Passion. Now, in this uh, transition, and you made a lot of transitions, and obviously we're going to come back and talk about uh, your learnings. Did you have any important mentors? Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually just lost one of them uh, a month ago now. Uh, my godfather was an extremely important mentor in my life. Um, he taught me patience. He taught me how to maintain my own peace. Uh, he taught me a, a very important lesson about light. Um, the light that we are to the world, the light that we are in the spaces that we occupy. And he taught me how people will be attracted to our light, a lot, a lot like a moth to a flame. They'll be attracted to the flame because of the light. Um, but people will be attracted to the light that I have and that I possess and that others possess. And in that, there are certain responsibilities that we have to that light to maintain the luminance um and if we don't what happens is those people who are attracted to the light they kind of fall off and they don't know why they've they've fallen off from wanting to be attracted or wanting to be around you and so that lesson i, I mean i keep that lesson with me all the time in my interactions with people because there are a lot of people who are attracted to my light um and I've, I've been attracted to the lights of others um but in that space I've learned to be protective of my light and to not um, taint, I guess would be the word I would use, not to taint my light with making poor decisions or, or choosing poor behaviors. Or being around poor people. Or I mean, being around poor But well, Not poor right. from a financial standpoint. I mean, Mentality. people are negative. Yeah. So uh, tell us, you're... Uh, you, you learned or you were taught or you were pointed in a direction of finding your peace. So where do you find that peace? And I get the whole idea of the light. I mean, there are people you meet that just have a, a glow about them. They've got the secret sauce, right? Right. And you find out they've got a certain inner peace. So what is your secret for inner peace? My, my secret for inner peace is fulfillment. It's a combination of happiness, joy, stability, and surety. Um, when I, when you have those things, it almost like no matter what life throws your way, no matter what problem you have to solve, you're confident in the overall outcome. And so I've been very, very fortunate to move or, well, I would say not fortunate. I've been unfortunate to know what it's like to not have peace, but very fortunate to have found peace at this point in my life, um, both spiritually, um, both professionally both in my, the relationships that I have with people, with my, the relationship I have with my wife, to be able to find that peace and establish that peace. And then I'm very uh, protective of that peace. There's not very many things that if I don't want to engage, I will not engage because that is my obligation to my peace. And that is the obligation to my strength. Well, we got about a minute left in this segue, but let's get started uh, talking a little bit about reflection, because a lot of what you've been talking about, it sounds like it has come from your own reflection, and you certainly write about the importance of reflection in your book. And let's start with uh, something that I found in your book. What is the toxic truth? Ah, uh, it's the truth. The tr it's, it's the truth that we choose to tell ourselves so we know it that it's not true. We know that it is uh, false, in fact. However, we will choose to hold on and retain to its, our belief in it because it serves a purpose. And the purpose that it typically serves is that 
because it is true or we allow it to be true, it gives us permission to truly not be accountable for some of the things or some of the choices that we make. One of the toxic truths that I carried for a very long time was, well, my father had a temper, so I have a temper. And it just made having a temper be okay. Well, it was not okay to have a temper, regardless of who before you had the temper. And so holding on to that toxic truth allowed me to make some really destructive decisions in my own personal life that did not help project me to where I was trying to go. But once I finally got to the place where I was like, wait a minute, this is truth that I'm choosing to believe, but that doesn't mean that it's actually true. And letting go of that toxic truth made ways to where I could actually interact or experience the compassion component that is entwined into the very fabric of who I am. We're going to be right back with Billy Rowe, the founder of First Row and a career professional who's learned how to conquer the impossible by creating a life focused on the following his passion. Remember, you can now listen to our Saturday broadcast, not only on Salem Radio in Northern California, but live anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org it's a bully but we aren't afraid of a fight it's elusive but our focus never fades it's deadly but we were born to defeat cancer you may not have heard of us but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer we are the leukemia and lymphoma society we are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO-level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com and mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Lauren. I'm with career mentor for thousands and author of Fire Your Job and Hire Your Passion, Billy F. Rowe Jr. If you've tuned in late or want to make sure you do not miss future episodes, go to our website or your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to TheMentorsRadio.com. So we were talking about reflection, and that, that to me is a, a, a hot button for me because it's, I think it is so, so very important. And some of this is reflecting on those things that we've done that we don't take accountability for. I mean, you mentioned uh, the, 
the issue of uh, anger uh, and you weren't taking accountability for you being angry. It has nothing to do with your dad, right? Right, right. So when, and it gets to, um, you, you have a great line in here about, are you creating a temporary shelter or a prison? Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. How do we create our prisons? Because that really locks people in, doesn't it? It does. Um, we, we create our prisons by the truths that we choose to believe. And so often when I'm speaking with clients, I talk to them about our connected truths. Um, with, with a lot of us, we want a, a straightforward path on if this is true, then all things behind it are true. And we are not very, uh, we're reluctant, I guess I would say, to accept that some truths are not connected to other truths. Um, one of the examples I would use would be that if I care about the poor, like people who are in poverty, um, I give money to them. That is two different situations that we would say are connected truths. So then what happens is, is if I'm out and about and I see somebody who is poor or in poverty and I don't give them money, now that other truth says, well, then it's false. You don't care about, you don't care about people who are in poverty. But those two truths are not connected. You can actually give money to the poor and not care about poverty, or you cannot give money to the poor and care about poverty. Um, and so when I talk about how we create these truths, what we're doing is we're taking, our, I'm sorry, a prison. What we're doing is we're taking these truths that are not connected. We're making them connected with mortar and brick by brick, we're building a prison in which an identity has to exist within the confines of that wall or those walls. And then you go on and talk about, let's talk about this, uh, doing just enough, playing to the level of others, playing down, playing up, uh, yeah. comparing ourselves to other people, which is such a terrible thing that people do to themselves. Maybe you could just touch on the, these topics or these areas. Yeah, that's the uh, the bare minimum mentality. Um and, and what it does when we have a bare minimum mentality, I experienced this a lot in the beginning of my professional career working in call centers, going from call center to call center to call center, where I was constantly measuring how I was or how I was performing as an employee based on the performance of others. And when you're, like you said, it's a dangerous place to be in when you're looking at other people for the example of who you are supposed to be. It's one thing to have a mentor and, and to intentionally be mirroring and matching certain behaviors to obtain a certain level. But it's a completely different thing to look at every individual that you come across and mirror and try to match and try to conform and try to be complacent and try to meet their, their identity or their characteristics. And so in this, I've, I've developed or began to understand through reflection why my beginnings of my professional career were so turbulent. It was because they were never defined off of the exact same person, which would be myself. They were defined off of the people who were around me in the work environment. So if somebody had excellent work ethic, then I had excellent work ethic. If I was in another environment where the work ethic was poor, then I would have poor work ethic. And so I really started understanding that the number one competitor that we should be showing up and really comparing ourselves to is the person we were yesterday. My mantra to date is we are who we are today because of who we practice being yesterday. The question that that presents is who are we practicing to be for tomorrow? That's the present moment that I have to be able to truly compete with who I was yesterday for tomorrow. So that's where I, where the comp, the competition the the competition paradigm began to come in and began to unfold in the book, uh, but also it unfolded in my life in, in its in multiple areas in my life. So somebody who I've known over the years is uh, Matthew Kelly. You may have heard of him. He's written a lot of books, but. He, he had a line that I or a story and he used the metaphor of being a racehorse. Mm -hmm. And he said, when you go out to the racetrack, are the horses looking at each other or are they running straight ahead? Right. And the point is that's, we need, we don't need to look at other people. We need to just look at our own path and go forward. And I think of athletes that run timed events like races, swimming races, running races. They don't, they certainly, they want to win, but they always talk about if they improved on their personal best. Right. So 
Now, let's talk a little bit about EQ, emotional intelligence. I know that's a real big issue with you. Maybe you can guide us a little bit with what you've learned and why this is so important. Uh, um, I think EQ is a, is a wonderful space for anyone who's looking to grow to explore. Um, for myself, where EQ has really shined has not even been in the workplace. It's been in my my personal relationships where once you begin to understand emotions, all emotions, not cherry pick emotions, but once you begin to understand emotions, you begin to understand why you can be reactive to certain stimulus or stimuli in certain situations. So for me, going back to anger, I found in researching and studying emotional intelligence that anger was an emotion that I was very comfortable interacting with. Why? Because I threw all those temper tantrums that I was talking to Derek about. Um, And in that default emotion, it meant that everything that I experienced, whether it was somebody yelling at me, somebody uh, making fun of me, somebody who uh, may have cut me off on the road, whatever it was, it all went through this emotion of anger. But it wasn't really necessarily what I felt in the moment. Let's say somebody cuts me off on the road. That startles me and it jolts me. But at the end of the day, I'm not angry about that because people make mistakes. People are fallible. But what I do find is I was concerned for a moment about my safety. So it's a fear of being safe. It's a fear of being in danger, not anger. I'm not angry about it. I'm just scared for a moment. And I don't like the way that I felt when I was scared. So because I don't like the way that I felt when I was scared, and then you have the machismo, the masculinity aspect of it. Well, I'm a guy, I can't be scared. Now, all of a sudden, I have to send it through the filter of anger, which means now I have to be combative with this person to show that they didn't scare me. And so from that emotional intelligence aspect, really understanding the default emotion that we're all comfortable with, we all have one at least that we're comfortable with, understanding that to say, hey, I'm not going to go to the anger emotion, even if that's the first emotion I feel. I'm going to give myself some time to resist that emotion and then interpret what I'm truly feeling and then move forward accordingly. And we're going to be right back with Billy Rowe, founder of First Row and a career professional who's learned how to conquer the impossible by creating a life focused on the following his passion. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org oathbook.org. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the US, I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own 6 pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code MENTORS. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. And now... Back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Laurie, and I'm with Career Mentor for Thousands and author of Fire Your Job and Hire Your Passion, Billy F. Rowe Jr. 
So let's get into the meat and potatoes. That's a little, I mean, your book is packed with stuff. You and I probably could spend a couple of hours going through a lot of the other topics. But I think uh, the key question is, how do you find your passion? I mean, some of the things we've talked about are steps to that. Uh, but how did, how, how did you find your passion? How do others find their passion? You're the guide. You're the guru. Tell us. <laughs> how, and we, want to, we all want to fire our job if we don't like them. So tell us a little bit about uh, if we find our passion, how we can go about firing our job. Yeah. So I think the the title of the book, uh, if I were to use the word job and passion interchangeably, I would change job to distraction and I would change passion to focus. So really I'm saying, how do we fire our distractions and hire our focus? This is the path that I have used. And I always say that there's always more than one path to any destination that you wanna get to. But this is the path that I have used to really hone in on what I wanted to focus on intentionally in my life. And so what it does when you're focused on something, when you know that, hey, I'm compassionate, hey, I'm really big on growth, hey, these are the things that I wanna experience, then it gives you something to really reflect on and measure against where you're at in life presently. So currently in my current role where I, where I currently work, um, I am in a space now where I had began to feel, well, not now, but I had begun to feel like I was getting stuck and I didn't feel like I was having the growth that I wanted. Um, but because I know what growth I want, because I'm focused on where I see myself going professionally in analytics, I'm like, hey, this is my responsibility to start changing this dynamic and looking to find what it is that I truly can get into that's going to be the next level of growth for me. And so when it comes to like exploring and finding your passion, I truly believe that we all intrinsically have this knowledge that maybe it's hidden to us in the moment, but we all intrinsically have this knowledge of what we are passionate about. For me, it's compassion and people. So it makes sense that I interact with people as a coach. It makes sense to write a book to try to help people for, and understand where they're at and move beyond where they're at. Those things make sense for my passion. But when it comes to other people's passion, there's so many different paths that people can take in order to find their passion. It's really about honing in on what the right path is for you. But I think Think that that focus component, being able to focus on what it is that truly fulfills you, that truly drives you and fuels you to make good decisions or fuels you to make money so that you can do whatever it is you really love to do. Finding what that is, is how you begin to find your passion. And again, being able to reflect back onto those, onto your current journey, what steps you might be missing or how you then begin to move towards that passion. So you talk a little bit about your passion identity tools. Yes. <laughs> Let's, uh, let, those are a great little toolbox that people can use. So why don't we talk a little bit about the uh, identity tools? And, and before you do, let's just remind people that this is Tom Lohr. You're listening to the Mentors Radio. Today, I'm with Billy F. Rowe, Jr., author of best-selling Fire Your Job, Hire Your Passion. Okay, now we can cut to the chase. Let's talk about that toolbox. Yeah, so the passion identity tool in the book um, this is how I was able to begin to categorize my activities, the things that I was doing that I need to focus on, things that I like to focus on, things that I want to focus on, things that I just do when I have spare time. Um, and it really starts with the non-negotiables, the areas in our life that are things that we don't really have a choice whether or not we do or not. Um, and there's not a lot of things in this category. We may feel like there's a lot of things in this category, and it's easy to get overwhelmed by putting things in this category. But really, there's only a few things that we are that are non-negotiables in our life. Like we do have to eat at some point. We do have to drink. We do have to sleep. Like those are the non-negotiable activities. But then I've started thinking like, but there are some really important activities. For me, again, fatherhood is a really important activity. I, I try to be present for my sons and our daughters and our daughter all as, as much as I possibly can. And so to me, that wasn't, though, a non-negotiable activity. That was more of a duty. That is the role in which I say, if I don't perform in this area, if I don't perform these activities, then either the other party will suffer or I will suffer. And so that's how I was able to kind of differentiate those two spaces that typically overwhelm a lot of us is saying, okay, there's some things that I have to do. No, no choice on whether I do them or not. Then there's some things that I want to make sure I'm doing that are the high, the second highest priority to what I have to do. Because if not, I don't want to suffer later on where my kids don't want to have a relationship with me. I don't want to suffer. I don't want them to suffer later on for not having the proper guidance uh, in their life to problem solve 
for their adult problems in the future. Um, and then after that, I really began to say, okay, now what is it that I want to go to next? And for me, that was immediately my passion. And what I was able to do in that space for passion is that passion is this fluid event that we all experience. When I was a kid, I was passionate about Super Mario Brothers. I enjoyed playing video games. Mario Brothers was the game. But that was a temporary passion because Mario Brothers is no longer a game that I play. When I was now as an adult, I'm passionate about reading. And so in the morning time, when I wake up, I read a chapter in a book. That's something that I'm passionate about right now in this space. But in our passion, whether it's temporary or long term, it's about not necessarily so much the duration. A, a, a short term passion can be over multiple years, but a long term passion or what I would consider a lifetime passion, that's something that kind of sticks with you no matter where your journey ebbs and flows. So my lifetime passion is truly compassion about other people. That is something that I have experienced since as far back as kindergarten, and I still am totally fulfilled by that today. Now, on our short-term passions, sometimes what we do is we hold on to those short-term passions for an extended period of time, and it's almost like having rotten fruit in your refrigerator. Yeah, you have food in your refrigerator. It's, it's rotten. You can't really consume it, but if you do consume it, it's probably going to make you sick. And that's how short-term passions operate is sometimes we'll hold on to something because just like those connected truths, oh, well, I used to be really into this and that's what I want to be into. And so I'm going to hold on to it. And we hold on onto it past our, its expiration date. We also do this in relationships, completely other different conversation, but we hold on to it beyond our, our, our its expiration date. And then it begins to act almost as a, a toxic pollutant to our actual passion. There's other areas in the passion ID, but those are the, the core three. And you also talk about the um, three secrets of failure, because failure is a big part of life. And we've got about less than a minute. So let's get started and we'll flip over and catch the rest of this in the next segment. But let's talk about failure. Yeah, failure, uh, if anything, is an opportunity. Um, some of the greatest inventions, some of the greatest minds in, in the world have failed uh, multiple times. And so if anything, this is where I have learned that failure presents us with an opportunity. It presents us with an opportunity to get better, to improve, as the book talks about uh, Kaizen, good improvement. Um, it gives us that opportunity for that good improvement. So that's where I'll, I'll stop and we'll, we'll come back to it. Okay. We'll be right back with Billy Roll, founder of First Row and a career professional who's learned how to conquer the impossible by creating a life focused on following his passion. You'll find all of our show notes, including uh, links uh, to Billy's book. And uh, you'll find these at our website, thementorsradio.com. This is Tom Lloyd, and this is The Mentors Radio. Better life, better business. Hi, I'm Christoph Nauer. I'm a certified business and life coach, helping business owners increase productivity, profits, and improve personal life. I'm the founder of Balance 6, money, health, relationship, time management, self-improvement, and higher power. I coach business owners to work smarter, not longer, to have time for better personal life. I hold you accountable for making time available to Balance 6, to nurture yourself and your relationships, and making more money with less stress. Get off the hamster wheel, and I will show you the secrets to real success. In case you're wondering about my accent, I came from Switzerland more than 30 years ago. But I assure you, my coaching will be in excellent English. Visit our website at balance6.biz. That's balance6.biz. It's Karen, executive producer of The Mentors Radio, and we're thrilled to have My Pillow back as a sponsor. All of us here are huge fans of Mike Lindell's products. When I got fed up with the chemical smell of other pillows, I figured my pillows made in the U.S. I'll give them a try. That was years ago. Now I own six pillows. I use their cotton towels, their 100% Giza cotton bed sheets, and I give them away as Christmas gifts. Every product has exceptional quality and attention to detail. Towels are thick, absorbent. Sheets are soft, smooth, high thread count. Our radio host, Tom, and everyone we know who's tried these products has the same experience. Use our code MENTORS to get a 60-day money-back guarantee, 
and up to 60% discount. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash mentors. You must include the code mentors. That's MyPillow.com forward slash mentors or click the banner on our website. Are you a small to mid-sized business looking for a tax, accounting, or CFO level advisor to handle or guide your company's financial decisions? Consider KMLPC. KMLPC excels in creating easy-to-use, customized financial systems for small to mid-sized entrepreneurs and companies, especially nonprofits. KMLPC supports and protects their clients' vital interests, offering a wide range of accounting and bookkeeping services in addition to CFO guidance. They prioritize digital integration and their exceptional staff will make your life and even taxes so much easier. Their client list is a who's who of nonprofits and entrepreneurs, clients who've stayed with them for years and won't go anywhere else. So if you need financial or tax help for your business or nonprofit, contact KMLPC today at KML-PC.com. That's KML-PC.com. KML-PC.com. And mention The Mentors. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is your host, Tom Laurie, and I'm with Career Mentor for Thousands and author of Fire Your Job and Hire Your Passion, Billy F. Rowe Jr. Okay, so we were talking about um, failure. Do you have any more you want to add to that? Um, yeah, you know, the, the thing is, is the, the most important thing for me with failure has been about not hiding my failures because it gives people not only it gives not only gives you an opportunity to improve on your own self, but it gives people an opportunity to do two other things, it gives people an opportunity to see that you need assistance. And if they are um, astute in that area, they can assist you um, if you, they know that you're failing. Uh, so not hiding failure is very important. But the other thing is, is that also by not hiding your failure, you give a beacon to other people who are on their journey, maybe a little bit on the same journey or a similar journey, maybe a little bit behind your journey, gives them a beacon and a check-in point. Hey, just in case if you're on a hike, don't turn left because there's a cliff over here about three feet out, off from the path. Those beacons come up when, you, when you're not hiding your failure. So I think that that's also a very critical point uh, to failures. And there's a lot of more work to do we can't cover today in one show. <laughs> <laughs> but okay so now i'm following your guidance and how do i know when i've found my passion and i'm on the right path so i go back to for myself i go back to peace and this is where this conversation started is understanding peace when you are in a space where you're operating in your passion Things, even when they're difficult, when they're frustrating, when they're challenging, even in those moments, your peace sustains or is rem remains. And so for me, that's the measure that I have learned to use with my own personal passion. For someone else, it might be a different emotion, but I have found when I'm operating in my passion, I never feel I don't, I don't even feel nervous when I'm operating in my passion. When I'm coaching a client, I'm never worried about, well, is this the right advice I'm giving them? Because I know that this is within my passion. I know that I'm going to give compassionate, unbiased advice. I'm not going to give them something that is hurtful or harmful to them. So it puts me in this space of peace to where there's nothing that's disruptive about my experiences even when they're challenging experiences. So for a lot of people, I would recommend really doing some soul searching and some reflection on what the things they're doing in their life or the things that they're doing in their life right now that generate that feeling of peace. It's easy to generate the positive endorphins and to kind of almost uh, positive endorphins or the positive coping mechanisms to make things feel like they're okay. But peace is this unique experience in which you know when you have peace and it's like nobody has to tell you that you have it you know you have it and that's how i measure when i'm interacting with something that is my passion now uh do you do any journaling absolutely uh, I, in, in, in fact the book has a, a companion journal oh, that right. i wrote with it <laughs> um, that's right it, so I, the reason i say that is that when you talk about the non-negotiables and 
uh, the, the things that you're trying to use to sort out your path. You know, it's helpful to have a journal at the end of the day and write down those things and reflect on whether they were non-negotiable, whether they were distractions, whether you found them passionate and all of that. Yes. And, I, and that's what your journal gets at. It talks about that stuff. Uh, very important. So um, what would you like to be different for tomorrow? For tomorrow, for myself personally, um, I would just like to show up differently and not in the sense of who I am today is inadequate, um, but I always want to be evolving and growing. And so every day I'm pushing myself to show up differently. Every day I'm pushing myself to show up better, to show up more intentional, to show up more loving. Um, and so for me, in every tomorrow, I'm trying to show up differently and present differently to be the best person that I truly can be. And when was it that you felt you and your work were appreciated? Oh, um, very, very early. Actually, I, I, I was appreciated. I didn't, it wasn't my work yet, but I was appreciated way back in elementary school. <laughs> um, and it just has continued to grow as I continue to embrace uh, what I would consider the charge that God has for my life is to, to help people and guide people. And I think one of the things you talk about, too, and we don't have a lot of time to talk about it, is living within your means, where a lot of people get stretched, and then all of a sudden they've got the financial worries that people find themselves in, which is certainly a distraction. Absolutely. Our bills can be a distraction if you allow them to be. I currently uh, save 25% of my income uh, before taxes. Um, it's something that I've chosen to do, and I, it took a while to get here, but now I'm here, and money is one of the least of my concerns so I can focus more intentionally on my passion. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, that's it until next week. We want to thank Billy F. Rowe Jr., the author of Fire Your Job and Hire Your Passion for spending time with us. We'll have links to Billy's book in the social media so you can follow him on our website. Well, you can follow him on social media, but you can find the links on the website, mentorsradio.com. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by downloading podcasts by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make it easy for yourself and subscribe for future shows. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week and at this time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember... Be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.